You are listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. I'm Elena Paventa, Executive Communication Coach and TEDx Organizer. With each episode, I'll share with you communication tips and ideas from top business leaders to help you excel in your career. Welcome to the next episode of the podcast Ideas and Leaders. Today, my guest is Seth Donlin, and he is the founder of Owen Coaching. This is the leadership and communication coaching practice. Hi, Seth. It is great to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. I'm really excited as well as leadership and communication are the key topics of our podcast. So it is really great to have an expert on the podcast. And I'm sure that all of our listeners will appreciate our conversation and your insights. So Seth, how did you decide to become leadership and communication coach? What is your story? Sure. Well, I've spent my career in communication. You know, I have 20 plus years of communications experience. And that started in my early 20s when I founded a weekly newspaper and was working as a journalist. It actually, you know, realistically, it started a little bit earlier when I was trying to break into journalism and working as a freelance journalist and bartending to support myself and talking to a lot of people across the bar. But I moved from journalism. Eventually, my partners and I sold the business to a publishing group. I moved from there into electoral politics, where I did communications work, press relations, and community relations, eventually moving on to working for city and state governments, and then doing contracting work for the federal government, and eventually going out on my own. And one thing that I realized across that whole career arc is that, you know, there were a lot of people, obviously, that would hire me to write for them, you know, to be the face of their organization and go on television or radio shows for them or what have you. But there were also a lot of people that they could have really have benefited from being, you know, their own face of their organization, but they needed some coaching and some training to get them to the point where they were comfortable doing that and where they really had the skills to be able to do that. And so that's how I I opened up a second practice along with my communications consulting practice. I opened up the coaching, the leadership and coaching practice as well. It's a very interesting journey. And I think that many people can relate to that, that they want to be face of their companies. They want to speak up, to build their personal brands, but they are a bit nervous. And I think that this is pretty much natural. We have it within us that we are nervous to speak in public or to speak live on Facebook or other social media. So as a communication coach, what would you recommend to our listeners to break this pattern of nervousness in speaking up? Yeah, I mean, the very first thing is to realize that it, it's a perfectly natural and it's like you mentioned, it's something that we all feel. I think one of the things that heightens those feelings of nerves for a number of people is the feeling that they are experiencing them in a way that everyone else isn't. And of course, you know, just like some people are more or less afraid of heights, some people are more or less afraid of, you know, any particular thing. There are people that aren't as nervous, aren't made as nervous by, you know, public speaking, but even the best public speakers, they get nervous. You know, some of the biggest entertainers, actors, singers, professional athletes, they get incredibly nervous before they perform, before they go on stage, before they go on the field. So it's a perfectly natural thing. And when you begin to realize that, I think you can begin to take a little bit of a step back 
from your nerves. You know, the other thing to realize is that you're feeling fear, but that doesn't mean that you can't be courageous, right? Courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is the ability to act in the face of fear. So, you know, realize, yes, you're feeling the fear, but that's not going to stop you. You're still going to be able to perform. And then there are, you know, a number of routines and techniques, doing a little bit of meditation or prayer beforehand to calm yourself and get yourself into an emotionally centered state and or doing some exercise or something to get you, you know, like pumped up and energetic if you're feeling a little lower energy, if you didn't sleep well the night before or something. And then doing some mind body work. If you, as you may know, and as some of your listeners may know, if we force a smile, if we look at our, you don't even need to use a mirror, but if you're looking at yourself in the mirror and smile at yourself for two or three minutes, just the fact that your body is making, you know, the muscles are shaping the smile tells your brain that you're happy. And then your brain, you know, says, oh, well, if I'm smiling, I must be happy. So then, you know, studies have shown this, your brain actually starts producing the neurochemicals that go along with actually making you happy. So by essentially faking a smile, you can actually make yourself, you won't be overjoyed, but you'll be a little happier. And the same thing is true of other emotions. You can make yourself more confident by standing confidently, shoulders back, you know, head up, pretend like you've just won a marathon or something or some race, you know, throw your arms up. This is universal across all cultures. People throw their hands in the air for victory. And if you stand like this for two or three minutes, again, your brain starts to think, well, I must be victorious. And so you start getting these like confident endorphins flooding into your brain. So there are little things that you can do like that. Also visualization techniques, you know, things of that nature that you can do to just kind of prep yourself before some kind of presentation that you might be feeling particularly nervous about. Those are real great tips. So we can actually prepare just as we can stretch before we go for a run or we prepare for anything else. We can also prepare for the presentation, not only by preparing the slides, but also by preparing our mind and body. I think that this is the key thing actually in the preparation because many people think that I will make my PowerPoint slides and this is enough and then they are awfully nervous. But in fact, you can do many more things to prepare yourself also to be confident. And uh, yeah, it is really important. If it comes to the content and not only to our mindset, but also to preparation for an important presentation or for an interview. So what, uh, in your opinion, what are the key elements in order to be really well prepared? You know, obviously know your material. And I think, you know, most of us, if we're being asked to give a presentation, I mean, I worked in, you know, large government bureaucracy and corporate organizations as well. So I understand that sometimes you get tasked with presenting something that maybe you're not as familiar with as you would like to be. But, you know, most of the time we're being asked to present something, hopefully we actually have a fair degree of expertise in that area. Certainly if we're entrepreneur and we're presenting something, hopefully we're presenting something that we have a real solid understanding of. And so have understanding of your material, figure out what the key points are that you're going to have to convey, and then decide what you're going to say about those key points. Maybe you only have time for three key points. Maybe there's five key points. Well, make sure that you have something well thought out to say about those five key points and practice them as far ahead as possible. Also have some other tools in your tool bag. Have some stories that you can relate. People always say to open with a joke or something like that. I don't recommend jokes because they can feel forced. You can be humorous if it's natural for you to tell jokes. Absolutely do that. 
you can tell humorous stories, but storytelling is a great way to build rapport quickly with your audience and connect with your audience. But you don't tell a story by saying like, let me tell you a story. This isn't story time for children and you're letting them know that a story is coming. You just naturally weave it in. You're making a point and you've got a story that emphasizes that point. You just go right from your data or whatever you're talking about right into the story and out of the story, the explanation. One thing that people need to do is make sure that you tell the story and then you explain why you told the story. Just like usually you need to see something two or, or hear something two or three times or a few times before you understand it. You give the information, you give the story that emphasizes it, then you explain what you wanted the people to get from that story. And now you've really conveyed your points well. And so in preparing for a presentation, a speech, you know, keynote, being on some kind of panel at a you know conference or something, have all of these little pieces, right? Your key points, your stories, have them in your pocket. And then in the presentation, weave them together as it's appropriate, right? If it's a really tight, you know, if you have a really tight time slot, maybe you make sure you know you're, you're going to go from A to B to C to D. If you have a longer time, it's actually much more natural to just have the pieces and then choose them at the appropriate moment and bring them out. It makes the presentation flow much more naturally and seem less stilted, like you're just, okay, I've, I've checked off the first thing on my list and now I'm moving on to the second thing on my list. But you're not making it up as you go along. You know what you were going to say about the thing, you've practiced it, you know the story, you've practiced it, you've polished it, you've honed it down so it's tight and it flows well and you're not rambling. This is what you need to do to prepare for a presentation, provided you're being given, you know, proper lead time. Sometimes we're asked to do it without proper lead time. But if you have the time to practice, that's what you need to do, be doing. Perfect, perfect. So for example, the case study for you. In two days, I am speaking at the conference. I'm speaking at Pan-African Chamber of Commerce in the panel, Women in Business Sustainability panel. I have about five to seven minutes. Mm -hmm. So what would you recommend to focus on? Whether to focus on stories, usually the timing is more or less the same if we're speaking in a panel because if we start telling stories then we can you know tell and tell those stories and then we will not get to the point what do you recommend to focus on facts and figures or to focus on stories or to balance it somehow and in which way I would say that you need a balance. I mean, you, you know, undoubtedly people are asking you to come there to explain something. You're going to be talking about, you know, whatever pay disparities for women, or you're going to be opportunity disparities or recent gains in opportunity for women or whatever the, you know, the thing is that you're going to be talking about. So, you know, you don't want to just go in there and tell a story of like one particular woman who made some gain because that's not, you know, that's going to be like, okay, well, that's great for that one woman, right? But, you know, if you have a story like that, you could start with that story. And a great technique for a short presentation like that is you start with like 90 seconds or two minutes of that story. You go into, you know, four minutes of making your main point and you leave them hanging on the story. You don't leave them. It's not such a cliffhanger that, that they can't pay attention during the four minutes that you're talking about your data or whatever, you know, your main point that you're making, but you can get to a break in the story where if you ended there, it would be fine. And then at the end, you can bring it back in and make that final point and, and be like, oh, and by the way, that woman I was telling you about is, you know, however, it would be natural that you wrap that story up. The thing to do is 
take your story, record yourself, tell the story, and you'll tell the story and it'll be like 10 minutes long or something like that. And you'll say, oh, I don't, I only have seven minutes. I can't even tell the story. I mean, I do this for myself all the time. You have to look at it and you, you know, what's the bare bones of the story? You cut stuff away, you cut stuff away, you cut stuff away until you finally, most stories, you can get them down to 90 seconds or two minutes. You'll end up having to take a, you know, a lot of little colorful bits out of the story that you'd love to leave in there. If you were at a cocktail party or something, you wouldn't take them out. But on stage, you end up having to cut it down and pare it down more. And that just takes iteration. But the little side benefit of that is you're working that story over and over and over again. And so by the time you've cut everything away, the core part that's left, you've practiced so many times that you have that story down really cold and you'll be able to deliver it really well, really confidently, really, you won't be having to think about, okay, well, what comes next or anything like that? It'll be a really sharp, tight, interesting and emotionally, you know, appealing story. Yeah, this is an issue to keep our stories short. Sometimes we want to tell everything, what happened before, what happened after and during and what happened to someone else at the same time. And then the story is so long that we don't have uh, time to get to the point. So this is, I think, really important to practice and to keep the story short. And a great technique, thank you, to start with a story, with a short story, and then to move to the facts actually, and, and figures and, and the main message. So Seth, what do you think about when we are presenting, when we are communicating, we need to focus on our audience and we need to build rapport with our audience. Do you have any tips on how to build rapport with the audience in effective way? Sure. Well, I'll go over a few really quickly. I mean, if you know, if you have the opportunity in advance to find out who your audience is, for instance, if you know, you're being asked to speak at this Pan-African chamber, now maybe the Pan-African chamber a month ahead of time knows who's going to be there. And maybe you can get that list of people from them and you see some people that you know, or you see some people that you figure that you can connect with in some non-strange way because you know somebody else in their organization or whatever. And you can say, okay, hey, you're going to be at this thing. I'm going to be speaking at this thing. You know, it's helpful for me in putting together my presentation, my speech to understand who you are, what things are important to you, so on and so forth. So if you can do a little like essentially market research on your audience, that can be very helpful. When you get up on stage, you're actually giving them what they really want. And you know this and you're confident to it. You can speak to the things that at least some members of the audience care about. And if some members of them, the audience care about these things, then it's a good chance that a lot more of them do. The second thing is just, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, make sure that you are being emotionally compelling with your speech. You don't want your slide deck to be a bunch of Excel spreadsheets or something, and you're just reading data point after data point after data point. I mean, if that's the case, then just give the audience, you know, a thumb drive with the data on it or something and let them look at it in their own time, right? You need to help them to connect to whatever your data is in a way that emotionally resonates with them so that they take it in and, and feel that it's important. Story is the most effective way of doing that. Another good technique is to be vulnerable when you're up on stage. A lot of us, because we end up being fearful of public speaking, we come out on stage with our armor on and we want to assume the like, I've been asked to speak because I'm an expert 
I'm super confident and competent and I am going to, you know, like kind of like stiffen up and become very proper and very, in many ways, unrelatable, right? But if you watch like TED Talks that really blow people away and stuff, the person up on stage is very relatable. They're often telling little stories about themselves that sometimes don't paint them in the most flattering light. They're talking about their struggles with depression or anxiety or some health issue that they had. And that immediately allows the audience to connect on an emotional level. Now, that doesn't mean you have to get up there and start talking about your health issues or your failing marriage or something like that. But there are things that you can talk about that others can relate to on a human level that can relate to whatever you're speaking about. Whatever the topic is, there's some human element that you can interject into it. And there's some personal element that you can interject into it. And you should try to do that, even if it's just in little pieces throughout the story because it will make the audience, it will help build that rapport and that trust. You know, that human to human connection is really what people are, are going to be looking for and builds trust really quickly. Yes, I love it. We need to make sure that there is this human to human connection, that we are not all professional and perfect. We need to right. show our imperfections to connect with the audience somehow. Indeed, you're so right. So what are the typical mistakes you observe that people do when they try to connect with their audiences? I think the biggest mistake that people make when they try to connect with their audience, this will maybe be a little more germane to your entrepreneurs than to maybe business professionals, but you know, depending on the role that the you know, corporate professional is playing, it certainly can be apropos. Too many people try to solve, to do two things, to A, solve their audience's problem, and B, to explain why their solution to the problem is like the best solution to the problem out there. In reality, most of the time that the audience, like, you know, let's say you're trying to convince some group of people to take some kind of action, right? You want to make some change in your industry. You want to make some political change. Maybe you want them to, you know, you want them to purchase your product or you want them to like sign up for your suite of, you know, your SaaS suite or something like that. Well, a lot of people will make the mistake of saying like, well, look, you have this problem that you're struggling with. You know, as an expert, you kind of take a look at somebody's business, let's say, and you're like, okay, well, I can see what their problem is. So you're like, look, here's your problem. And I've got this great new solution. And you spend all your time talking about their problem and all the time talking about their solution. The reality is quite often the person that has the problem is unaware that that's their problem. They see symptoms, right? They understand that they, that the revenue on their business is off. They don't know that the revenue in their business is off because they're not getting enough business out of their repeat customers, or they don't understand that they're not getting enough people into the top of their funnel or, you know, in a political, they don't understand that they don't have enough grassroots support or something like that, right? They're just seeing that they don't have enough support or, or you know, something of that nature. And so when we're trying to convince people of things, get people to, to kind of buy our solution, whatever that may be, whether that's a, an actual product or just, you know, this is the change I would like you to make. This is the way I would like you to vote or something. What we need to do is talk about the symptoms that they see and then talk about where they want to be without the solution. And don't spend a lot of time talking about what the actual problem is and what your solution or your product 
does that's different than what everybody else's does. Because most of the time, the audience really doesn't care. They don't care. Like, you know, I work with a lot of personal trainers. If you think about it, it's like if somebody wants to lose 25 pounds, they don't really care whether you're going to have them swinging kettlebells or whether you're going to have them riding stationary bikes or whether you're going to, you can spend all your time explaining how riding the stationary bike is the best. And you really have to ride the stationary bike and all the research and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, look, I just want to lose 25 pounds. I don't need to learn all of this stuff. Right. So talk about the problem that they see. Talk about the dream that you're going to get them, the, you know, the end result. Now you're feeling unfit. I'm going to help you fit into your, into that dress you want to fit into. I'm going to help you fit into your old, you know, college football uniform or whatever. And speak to those emotional things and spend less time speaking to the details of, you know, the actual solution to the problem. Yeah, they say that sell them what they want and give them what they need, right? <laughs> so Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not that you're not going to give them what they need. I mean, the reality is you're the expert, they're not. They don't know what they need. Oftentimes they think they do though. So you can spend a lot of time arguing with a potential customer, right? Who believes that they need something that you as an expert know they don't really need. They need this other thing. Well, don't get into that argument with them, right? Talk about the other things, connect with them over their pain points and the problems that they're having and excite them about the end result that you're promising them and results that you've gotten for other clients or, you know, and it's not like you don't talk about the middle, but you just don't spend much time there. You spend most of the time at the beginning and at the end and the middle is just kind of a quick pass through to get to the end. Yeah, yeah, this is true. We need to speak in the language of benefits for our audience, whether we want to persuade them, whether we want to sell our products or services. So we need to get to know what are their needs, what would be their benefits they want to get, and then to speak about this indeed. Yeah, and it's like that old, you know, sell me this pen exercise or something or the, you know, many people don't really, particularly for experts, we're so caught up in all the knowledge that we have and we're so excited about all our knowledge and we think that it's just really compelling, but to the average person, it's not. In many ways, the more time we spend talking about the nitty gritty of our expertise, the less time. I'm, we're actually connecting to the audience that we want to be impressing. We need to be speaking their language, not our own language. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, Seth, uh, the last thing I wanted to discuss with you is communication, but a little bit different communication, communication in social media. So what do you think as now they say that if we're not online, then we don't exist. We need to communicate right. with our followers, with our clients through all possible social ways, possible in social media. So what are your recommendations? What should we do or maybe not do in this online communication? The biggest thing that I would say, and you know, obviously this is not to be taken 100% literally, but my biggest don't do is don't sell on social media. Social media is an area to build trust and build rapport and build a community and build a relationship with that community. And then when those people are in the market for your product or your service, or they're hiring and you want that position or something, then you've already spent time building that trust. And it's natural that they're they're going to then turn to you. They're not necessarily going to go out and, you know, search and get a bunch of quotes from a bunch of different people. They're just going to say, oh uh, yeah, I'm going with her because I've known her for a long time now and I trust her and they've known you and trusted you via your social media channels. That's not to say that you can't 
you know, mention, hey, I'm launching a new service, I'm launching a new product, hey, I'm having a sale or something like that. But that should be the occasional thing that you throw out there. It should not be every day, like, here's my thing, buy my things, you know, hire me. Nobody really wants to follow somebody. That's all they're doing, right? So I like to tell people to think of, this isn't a perfect comparison. This isn't absolutely apples to apples, but I like to think about social media kind of like networking done really well. To me, networking done the way many people do it and done poorly is you walk into a networking event with all your business cards and you go up to somebody and you say, hey, Lena, I'm Seth. This is what I'm all about. Here's my business card. If you need, you know, you want to set up a call, let's talk about how you can pay me money for me to do what I do. And then I'm like, okay, and by the way, what do you do? Great, give me your card. And then I go on to the next person and try to sell myself to the next person. And that's, you know, fine, or it's not really, but I mean that, you know, at least you've gotten your information out there. Done properly, I believe you go into a networking situation, you go up to the other person and you say, hi, who are you? What are you all about? What is it that you're here looking for? How can I help you? Are you looking for recommendations? Are you looking for new clients? What kind of work do you do? Is there anybody in my network I can connect you to? Oh, by the way, I talked to somebody earlier tonight that you definitely need to connect. Give me one second. I'm going to go grab him and bring him over here, right? You put all the focus on the other person. You give as much value to that other person as you can. That's going to be so refreshing and so flattering to them. They're going to have a wonderful view of you and feel very positively towards you and feel almost in a little way in your debt because you've been so, you know, giving or willing to give to them. Of course, they're going to ask, well, do you have a card? What do you do? And you, you know, you can tell them what you do, but you don't try to sell them. Then they're going to really remember you. You're going to be one of the few people that stick out to them from that networking event because you're the person that spent the most time focusing on them and what they cared about. When it's time for them to need your service or your product, they're going to call you, right? They're not going to go and do a Google search for, you know, competitors of yours. They're going to reach out to you. Social media is much the same way, right? Find out what people want, offer value, offer assistance, try to build that community, have it be as much, if not more about your followers and your community than about you. And when they're ready for what you're offering, they're going to come to you. You don't have to be constantly DMing them and saying like, hey, let me, you know, tell me more about your business. How can I, you want to jump on a call with my VP? And I mean, I'm sure you've been there, right? Where you, somebody asked to connect to you on LinkedIn or something and you say, sure. And then like later that afternoon, there's a DM and the person is like, so glad you connected with me. We're offering free consultations with our senior management and you can, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's not why I connected with you. So, you know, don't do that. Offer value. See how you can be of help to other people. And that will naturally draw people to you. People will naturally recommend you. You know, your social media will be a lot more effective and you will be presenting a much more positive and a much more attractive brand in that way than if you are pitch, 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 pitch all the time. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. As Dale Carnegie said in the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, that make the other person feel important and don't talk yourself all the time, but let other people speak. I totally agree with uh, what you say, because at least myself, I'm more interested in the accounts of people who are speaking about my problems, who are asking me questions, who are interested, who are speaking on the topics that are interesting for me, but not only speaking about themselves. So I absolutely agree here. So Seth, thank you so much 
for all your tips. And in the end, I wanted to ask you if our listeners want to connect with you, want to ask more questions, are interested in your services, where can they find you? Sure, they can always find me on my website, which is awencoaching.com. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. So you'll get the proper spelling. Or if you want to just connect with me directly, get on a exploratory call and see if us working together would make sense. Uh, you know, a free exploratory call. You can always get on my calendar by going to reachseth.com and that will allow you to book a call and we can, you know, discuss your business, discuss your career, discuss what I can help you with and see if we might be a good fit. So I mean, of course, I'm on all the social media platforms. I'm sure they'll probably be in the show notes, but those are the two easiest ways to get in touch with me. Perfect, perfect. We will put uh, all this information in the show notes for sure so that our listeners can immediately jump on your social media and connect with you. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It was really a pleasure to listen to all of your tips. Thank you very much. I had a great time. Thank you for listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your LinkedIn profile and using a hashtag Ideas and Leaders. See you in the next episode.